Welcome to episode 10 of the Underground Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, here with my co-host, Colin. And today we're going to break down Penn State's football game against Maryland from Friday night. Ended up far in Penn State's favor, 59-0. So we've got all the stats and, you know, what we what we took away from the game to come. So we're glad that you're listening and, and hope you find what we have to say a little bit interesting. Let's start with a look at Penn State's offense on Friday night. Obviously not a lot to complain about in that department. Scoring 59 points is, um, you know, exceeding pretty much everyone's expectations, I would say. So, Colin, who would you say was the biggest standout uh, for Penn State's offense on Friday night? Uh, I would say Sean Clifford had the biggest day. I mean, mm-hmm. he led the team in passing, obviously, being the quarterback, but also through the ground. He, uh, I think it was 55 yards. He netted total and a touchdown on mm-hmm. the feet. Uh, his longest run was 25 yards I'm seeing here. So, like, it's just all around. He kept the Maryland defense off-balanced, and really everything was working for him, so he had a nice night. Yeah, I definitely agree. Sean Clifford, who's obviously had a lot of, you know, people questioning his talents at the start of this season, definitely put a lot of those um, those quandaries to bed, I would say. I uh, threw for 398 yards um, with some, you know, some help from his receivers, obviously, with some runs after catch. But um, still, I thought he looked great. I mean, uh, 26 for 31, I believe, on the night. So, you know, his accuracy was great. And it was good to see him also get some time to just kind of sit in this game and not have to, you know, fight through the whole the whole four quarters. Um, what were your thoughts on Will Levis in, in the time that you saw him? Yeah, I thought he came out well. Uh, they looked a little bit disorganized when he came out with the second and third string to run the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, things kind of weren't clicking right away. Mm-hmm. But once he got settled in and everybody calmed down, I thought he ran the offense well. I think it was our last drive of the game. They marched down the field about... 60, 70 yards, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then they punched it in right before uh, the end of the game. So that was nice to see how, like, say Clifford would go down, how Will Levis is confident in his yeah. abilities and he's able to still move the football. Yeah, I mean, you even heard the broadcasters, if you were watching this one on TV, they mentioned how, how close the race between Levis and Clifford has been throughout the whole summer and, um, you know, at the end of last season. And I would say that's apparent, you know, obviously any time a backup quarterback comes in, there's going to be a little, you know, transition time or whatever um he wasn't fantastic throwing the ball three for eight um but he definitely showed how strong he is and how like comfortable he is running the ball two rushing touchdowns um so yeah i agree i was i was pretty happy with with his performance when he came in um you want to move now to the running backs a little bit uh what do you see from you know the rotation um any any thoughts that you had on the running backs friday night yeah, I thought the running backs ran the ball well. Uh, the run game was going good. The offensive line kept things moving. and I don't think Maryland's uh, defensive ends and like interior defense was the best that we're going to see all year. Mm-hmm. So you kind of expect Penn State to move the ball real well, but mm-hmm. they did exactly what you would expect of them. And things got going through the ground. Uh, so as a team, we netted just about 200 yards on the ground. So really a lot you can ask of them, but they mm-hmm. just delivered. Yeah, I mean, uh, Journey Brown had his first receiving touchdown and a nice little, you know, run after the catch. So, um, I, I, it looks to me like Brown is still kind of the number one guy. He's going to be there to start the game. And, you know, Franklin keeps saying we're going to ride the hot hand, but he also keeps putting four running backs in every game. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to 
kind of know what he's really thinking at this point. And maybe that's on purpose for, you know, some of the bigger games to come. Maybe he doesn't want the other teams to know exactly who's going to be taking every snap and, you know, who's going to be relied upon in certain situations. But um, the only other thing I wanted to mention with running backs, uh, with the NCAA rules for redshirting, you know, the four-game rule, um, Franklin came out before the game and said you might not see all the freshmen that you've been seeing. I, I'm i going to be honest, I thought I saw pretty much every freshman that I had recognized, um, offense and defense, really. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that really matters that much, or um, was that maybe more just because the media asked him about it, he said something about it? Yeah, I, I kind of would have liked to see him reserve some red shirts and kind of hold people back to mm-hmm. where later in their career when they're able to make more of an impact for the team mm-hmm. they're playing. But and especially in a game where it's getting out of hand so soon and yeah. really Penn State could throw anybody out there and they would still hold their own and be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of would have liked to see Franklin not really spread the wealth that much and kind of save those guys for later in their career. But, I mean, maybe he sees something that I don't. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait and see it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to... Um you know, when you want to get some of your starters out. But um, I, I agree pretty much with everything you said on that. All right, let's shift our focus uh, towards the rest of the offense, uh, starting with the receivers here. Uh, K.J. Hamler had the most receptions, most yards of the night, scored a, that long uh, 58-yard touchdown, um, had an awesome, you know, he, he caught the ball on a quick little slant and just came across the field and went up the line and, I don't know when he has the ball in a little bit of space. It just it just scares defenses. I think, um, you know, he put one of Maryland's defenders on the ground with a couple little hesitation moves, and um, yeah, I love the the threat that he brings uh, to our offense. Um, he also just has great hands. You know, he ends up catching balls that it doesn't seem like he should more often than not. I would say. Um, what were some takeaways that you had, Colin, with receivers or? you know, the passing game in general. Yeah, I thought K.J. Hamler had a real nice game. You know, he caught that slant when they were running man coverage against him, so he only he beat his one man and nobody else was looking for him. So he yep. was able to like kind of slip right through and then beat that guy on the sideline and find the end zone. So that was real nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he was the most athletic one out on the field. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of what you expect, but he like delivered perfectly. And, uh, the rest of the receiving core, Nick Powers had a nice night. He found the end zone once. Yeah. Uh, Journey Brown coming out of the background, coming out of the backfield. Excuse me. Uh, I think it was like a wheel route. He caught that touchdown mm-hmm. on and like came up the sideline. But then it was just nice to see like the wealth get spread. How there's like so many different threats on this team that can catch the football and yeah. kind of keep the chains moving for Penn State. Yeah, definitely. I mean, throughout last season and the beginning of this one, I've always really, really liked Pat Fryermuth and the tight end role. I think he's a really good blocker, but he also does a great job, you know, creating a little space for himself, and he's a great receiver, and, you know, he only had two catches Friday night, but I think just that threat of him sometimes, you know, makes defenders lean a little bit more towards him and opens other players up, um, but yeah, like you said, we had 13 different receivers on Friday night that, that got catches, um, so really happy to see that we're succeeding in that, that space as well. Um, let's take a look now at the defense from Friday night. Obviously, a fantastic performance. If you you know shut any team out, that's that's really a, an impressive feat, um, especially a, a Big Ten opponent. Um, 
Who, who stood out the most to you, Colin? Uh, I would say Jesse Lucadis stood out the most to me, filling in for uh, Micah Parsons, who mm-hmm. got departed from the game early. But I thought Lucadis looked real fast on the field. He was physical, coming from the linebacker spot, filling holes and yeah. side to side. He, uh, don't remember him getting beat on many plays, so mm-hmm. he was able to like, step up when we needed him to, and he did a real nice job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Parsons is a, a big part of our defense, and you know he left the game very early Friday night for uh, a, a targeting call that a lot of people maybe didn't agree with. But um, it's really nice to see that he wasn't. You know, the defense didn't fall apart without him, so I was really happy with that. Gross Matos had another fantastic game: two sacks, five solo tackles. Um, you know, he's just a monster on the D line, and uh, really pressures quarterbacks and running backs as soon as they get the ball. So um, really good performance overall. Uh, Jan Johnson with the interception was great. Um, actually saw a cool stat that it's his second career interception, and you know his first interception also came on a Friday night game last year. So um, you know maybe on Friday night games we'll start putting him in the secondary a little bit more and you know, seeing if he can grab a few more balls. But um yeah, I was really happy with the defense. Did you have any other thoughts or um, anything else you wanted to add there, Colin? Yeah, I thought Jan Johnson played a real nice game. On uh, that interception, he looked real athletic, dropping back in the, like, the middle of the field and mm-hmm. picking up a crossing route and kind of undercutting it. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the secondary played real well, too. Like I think Maryland, they completed, what, like eight balls for – they completed 11 balls for 70 yards. Yep. So, I mean – kind of shutting it down in the secondary, not allowing them to keep the chains moving and forcing them to turn to running the ball where our interior defense was kept stuffing them. So really they shut down the deep route and had forced them in the middle. So it was nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And we mentioned, you know, in the pregame uh, podcast last week that Anthony McFarland, Maryland's running back, was going to be their biggest threat. And they shut him down immediately. I mean, Maryland was forced to throw the ball not only because of the score, but because they weren't having any success with McFarland. So um, I was really happy to see that from the defense as well, um, shutting down both the pass and run game. So, yeah, no complaints from me in that department. All right, to wrap up the, the game against Maryland, let's give a little look at the special teams' performances on Friday night. Uh so Jordan Stout, a guy who I've had absolutely nothing but good things to say about the start of this season. Um, you could probably make the argument he had the worst performance of the game Friday, but um, still not you know, an embarrassingly bad performance or anything like that. I mean, his first uh, kickoff not uh, that didn't go for a touchback, which was a little disappointing. I was hoping we'd go the whole season and you know the balls would just keep flying out the end zone, but... Um, Obviously, not really anything to complain about in that department. Um, I think he missed, what was it, a 52-yard field goal. But again, that's not something that I'm expecting them to hit every single time. He hit that 57-yarder last last week, two weeks ago. Um, so, you know, I <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel bad, you know, talking bad on Jordan Stout. But, um, you know, just relaying some facts here. Um, Jake Penninger had a great game, though. Colin, you want to tell us a little bit more about how, how good he's been for Penn State recently? Yeah, it was Penn State put a drive together right before halftime, and he kicked a 21-yarder uh, right before the expiration. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to see Penn State put a drive together, and he was able to cap it off 
But, like, extra point-wise, he's been perfect throughout the season, which is yep. kind of something you don't think about all the time but is very huge to how games go. Because mm-hmm. whenever we get later in the year and then the postseason and big games, how that could be an absolute killer to where instead of having 14, we're down to 12 or 13 and kind of, like, offsets the score where if we're just trading touchdowns and how, like, one point can completely swing, like, yep. how the strategy goes and everything. So mm-hmm. kind of not something you always think about, but just is very, very crucial to how the season could go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I see here he's now hit 36 straight extra point attempts. So um, like you said, that just that reliability is really important in especially closer games. Um, and then last but not least, Blake Gillikin. We only got to see him one time on a punt Friday night. Um you know, he still got his jogs out onto the field to hold for, hold for extra points and stuff, but um, one punt for 52 yards, so um, no complaining for Blake Gillikin either. Um, and then in terms of, you know, our, our kick return, punt return team, uh, we saw Hamler struggle a little bit. The, I think the only one he tried to bring out was only a three-yard gain, so um, not the best decision by him on that one, but uh, Jahan Dotson came in a little bit later in the game and sprung a, a decent return. Uh, I think it was about 30 yards. Um, so, you know, it's nice to see, too, that um, Hamler, although a huge threat on those kick returns, uh, we also have Jahan Dotson, who's almost as fast and, you know, just as uh, agile with his, his movement. So, um, you know, no complaints really for me for special teams. Anything else you wanted to add or... Um, you know, you're happy with the performance as well. Yeah, I'm definitely happy. Uh, it seemed a couple times where KJ Hamler would go for a fair catch where he didn't realize he had as much room mm-hmm. as he did. So you'd kind of see him get a little bit frustrated with himself like mm-hmm. once he caught the ball and looked down and saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see Penn State kind of set up more safety returns where they kind of, instead of going after the football and trying to block the punt, they hang on to their men a little bit more and mm. try and set up a nice return for Hamler, like knowing how elusive and fast he is, like might take only one or two key blocks to spring him loose for sure. 30, 40 yards. So that's something that I'm hoping we get to see more as the season goes on instead of trying to go after punts and not really getting to them. Yeah, definitely agree. All right, let's take a quick look ahead at next week's game. Penn State is hosting Purdue uh, for the homecoming game this year. Colin, what are some initial thoughts about the matchup? Uh, how has Purdue been looking this season? Tell us a little bit more about them. Yeah, Penn State, I think the line set right now, there is a 23.5-point favorite, really really heavily favored in this one. Yep. Uh, Purdue kind of hurting uh, depth-wise. Their star quarterback, Elijah Sindelar, he's believed to still be out with a concussion and likely not going to play against Penn State. As is their star, uh, sophomore receiver, Rondell Moore, who was the 2018 Paul Hornig Award winner for the best uh, receiver in the nation. Yep. He's kind of produced, like, do everything, you know. K.J. Hamler kind yeah, of player. Essentially, K.J. Hamler, where they just try and get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Yep. Uh, I believe it's his leg that he's out with. Um, not able to put any weight on it as he's helped off the field. He's, I would say... Not likely to play against Penn State, too, which is essentially big, mm-hmm. you know, kind of relieving any stress on the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Purdue's coming into this game at 1-3, and three, uh, directly off a loss uh, against Minnesota this, this weekend. Um, Purdue's defense did not look good. Their secondary was just getting torn up, which is definitely a, a good sign for Penn State with, you know, the speed and 
uh, you know, depth that they have in the receiver and, um, you know, passing game. So, yeah, I, I'm not as worried about this game as I, as I would have been, you know, if you asked me at the start of the season. Um, Purdue, I, I feel like they always play Penn State pretty close. You know, it's always a tough game, but um, after seeing some of the injuries and, you know, the results from, from the beginning of the season, I, I definitely am, am not too worried about this one. Colin, you, you, would you tend to agree with that, or you still think Purdue's going to come in and give Penn State a tough fight? No, I think Penn State should be fine. They're, I expect them to come in with their same, like, you know, want to know this week mentality and yep. definitely not take Purdue lightly. That's something Franklin preaches week to week. Yep. So I expect them to still, like, take it as we're playing, like, the best team in the nation and bring their A game. So mm-hmm. I expect a good outcome. Yep, I definitely agree. I think this win against Maryland, to be honest, really kind of juiced this team up a little bit more. Um, you know, it's a young team. They, A lot of them haven't really seen success at the collegiate level yet so um you know i think that big win in a you know what ended up being a primetime game you know the only real big friday night game um i think that was really helpful helpful for them um got a little bit closer you know just kind of got to see what what these big wins look like so um i'm excited for uh what's to come this season that's pretty much all we have for you this episode um, Colin, did you have anything else to add before we before we sign off here? No, I think I'm excited for next week. I'm happy with how this past week went. I think Penn State football's you know, right where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, things are looking real good. There's no key injuries, and I think everybody's delivering how they should. Uh, coaching staff, I think everybody's happy with how things are going. So I'm just hoping that we can continue it throughout the season. Yep, I definitely agree. All right, that's all we have for you today. If you want to read more about you know some other Penn State sports going on uh, written by, by us and our writers, check out www.psuunderground.com. A lot of great stories, a lot of great news there. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you Wednesday night for the next episode of the Underground Sports Podcast.